Good morning, everyone. It's July 26, 2011. What? No, it's modern times. But this dates back to July 26, 2011, and it is my select pick of the week, How Wildfires Work. This one's important. That's why I picked this one, everybody. Uh, wildfires are still happening all over the place every year, and it seems like they're getting worse and worse because they are. So uh, this is a good podcast to educate yourself on wildfires and how to prevent them, how to fight them, and how they get started in the first place. So enjoy How Wildfires Work right now. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Right over there. And this is Stuff You Should Know. That was my Shatner. <laughs> I told you I worked with him, I think, on a podcast, right? Yep. And he was puffy and uh, stuffed in a suit. He's nice, though, right? He was super nice. And heck, okay. I, uh, every time I wear, wear a suit, I'm puffy and stuffed in a suit. So I'm poured into my suits. Poured in? <laughs> liquid? That's great. <laughs> so, And that's absolutely not true, by the way. Okay. Chuck. Yes. Um, I have a couple of stories for you. I have a specific story for you. But you have this too, right? Did I uh, give you this? Yes, I do. Okay, so um, in... Uh, 2002, right? Mm-hmm. There is a guy who uh, worked for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and he was a firefighter for them, right? He went on to the uh, Arizona Apache Reservation, and he started a wildfire intentionally. Okay. So he's an arsonist? Yes. He's not an arsonist for fun or because he's crazy. Um, or what was it? Uh, he was curious, highly curious. Remember that was a, cur- a trade uh, that was trait curiosity. Oh, right. Was setting fires. <laughs> um, he wanted work, right? Leonard Gregg. Leonard Gregg was his name. Um, he uh, set this fire, and unbeknownst to him, I same time this now, you do. Yeah, there's a woman um, who had run out of gas, not too far away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she saw that there was a news helicopter covering the fire that Leonard Gregg had just set. She didn't know about either. But she didn't feel like walking, or she felt like she couldn't walk. So she set a fire to try to get the attention of the news helicopter so that it would come rescue her so she didn't have to walk to go get gas. That's pretty amazingly awful. So um, I I guess her last name was uh, Chediski. Yeah. Because the uh, rodeo fire which is uh, what they called the fire that Leonard Griggs started, collided with the Chediski fire. And um, it was a conflagration. Ultimately, 467,000 acres burned, including 491 houses. It was the largest fire in Arizona's history, and this is 2002. So Greg, I don't know what happened to the woman, but Greg was uh, found guilty of arson, sentenced to 10 years in order to pay $28 million, which, as an occasional firefighter for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, I would imagine he didn't have. Yeah, and well, that never happens. You always see that, like, they award so-and-so this, and they just don't pay. It's just like a, a symbolic award, I guess. Right, you'll, n- you'll never make more than 50% of your wages again kind of thing. Yeah. But what's crazy is not just that this lady set this fire because she wanted to get the attention of a news copter. That's crazy. Or that this guy set a fire because of a desire to get work. As a firefighter. To put the fire out. Yeah. 
But because they're not the only people who have done stupid stuff like this. Right. They follow in a long, grand tradition of people who have set wildfires for all sorts of different reasons, and a lot of them to get work. Yeah. You have a list here. And, of course, we're not... We're going to praise the firefighters. Not like we're saying a lot of these firefighters are starting fires, but it does happen more than you would think. Yeah. I, I, I imagine we'll probably throw some more out later on. But first, Chuckers, right? Let's get to wildfires, how they work, yeah. what affects them, mm-hmm. the fire triangle. Yeah. We should probably start with the fire triangle because it, it, it relates to not just forest fires or wildfires, but all fires. All fire, Josh, requires uh, three things. Um, fuel, obviously, to burn. Yeah. Air to get oxygen to the fire because we all know that we all knows <laughs> we all know that makes the fire burn uh, hotter and, yeah. and bigger. Yes. And then the heat source to bring the fuel to the ignition temperature to begin with. Right. And they call that the fire triangle. And the goal of a wild firefighter, and or I guess probably more so a wild firefighter, is to remove one of those three components from the scene. And that'll give them a better chance of yeah. extinguishing the fire. Yeah. If you can bring the temperature down or starve the fire of oxygen Something. or get rid of the fuel. Right. The, the, yeah. All three of those things have to exist. And the reason why, like, if you look at wood as a fuel, wood as it pertains to fire is just a um, solid store of hydrocarbons that are released when the wood is heated. To the flashpoint. To the flashpoint. Um and those hydrocarbons at the flashpoint bind with oxygen in the air, uh-huh. and it combusts thanks to the spark. Yeah. Thanks to the heat. Yeah, and the flashpoint, everything has a flashpoint. Apparently, everything will burst into flames at some point. Like uh, Fahrenheit 451 is supposed to be the flashpoint of books. Yes. Right? Yes, which is a very cool title. Uh, Wood's flashpoint is um, 572 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. 300 if you're into Celsius. <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing. And uh, that's when wood will burst into flames. Yes. Um, I've got a couple of just quick stats here. Uh, about 5 million acres of woodland burn every year in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I got a different stat that it was 1.2 million, but then I looked. I saw that, that stat too. Yeah, I looked at the, the past decade, 5.9 million, 5.2, 9.3, 9.8, 8.6, 8.4, 7.3, 8, and 7. So that's about 5. Yeah. So I trust that one. And that is, dude, in 2009, I'm sorry, let's go to 2006, there were 96,385 fires, wildfires in the U.S. That's a lot of wildfires. Isn't that crazy? And what's crazy is that four-fifths of those are started by human activity. Yeah, a little more than four-fifths. That's nuts. Like, I mean, there's a whole thing called lightning season, right? Yeah, that when combined with this um, this type of weather called fire weather, which is very very dry, maybe drought like conditions um, during uh, warm summer months when it's very hot out, mm-hmm. um, and all it takes is like uh, apparently like a, a train wheel causing a spark yeah. off of a off of the rail into some tinder, and then bam, you've got a, a wildfire. Um, but even all those uh, don't account for more than a fifth. Of wildfires, the rest are like people throwing cigarettes out or looking for work as firefighters. Or not or putting out their fire burns. when they're camping. Yes, that's a big one too. Um, I have another couple of stats from FEMA. There are total, there are 176,000 intentionally set outdoor fires yeah. every year in the United States. And a lot of those, 
I think uh, they're prescribed burns, right? No, no, no. That that's like people. Oh, you setting, mean acts of arson? Yeah, but it's uh, only you know a certain amount of those are wild. I think sixty three percent are outdoor fires, vegetation fires. Yeah. So the others are like uh, trash fires, rubbish fires. Huh. So Idiot fires. Yeah, exactly. All of them make Smokey the Bear weep. Yeah. True. So um, there's fire weather. There's lightning season. Four-fifths of fires are started by humans. More than four-fifths, you said. We know about the fire triangle, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, once combustion is started from whatever the source is, mm-hmm. there's a lot of factors. Well, no, not necessarily. There's three large factors that uh, combine to, I guess, give us an idea of what's going to happen with this forest fire, right? Now, are these, are these the fuel characteristics or like how fast it'll spread? No, it's fuel, weather, and topography. Okay, yeah, yeah. Those are the big three, and then each of those kind of has a few subcategories. Yes. But, the, but fuel, the amount and the type of fuel, the, um, the type of weather that, that's going on, mm-hmm. like is it fire weather, is it not? And then topography, the lay of the land. Like, if it's a lake, that's not good topography for a forest fire. Right. And I'm going to use forest fire and wildfire interchangeably. I didn't see anything that said that they're not one and the same. Well, they are today, at least. Forest fire just kind of rolls off the tongue a little more. Okay. For me. Yeah. My thick tongue. Well, I said wildfire, and I keep saying wildflower to Jerry. She went, is it wildflower or wide fire? What, see? Wide fire. I'm going to go with forest fire. It could be a wide fire. That's true. Uh, so fuel, uh, you need a fuel obviously to, uh, get the wildfire burning and what they call the, the, they call it a fuel load is the amount and it's a measured amount of fuel available per unit area. And it's usually, uh, tons per acre. Right. So they, they they can actually, they're good enough to guesstimate that. Yeah. Like the biomass of like all this dry grass. Yeah. Like they know like, man, this is going to be a bad one because we've got a, you know, I don't have any numbers, but a whatever fuel load in this area of the Colorado National Forest. And what's interesting is, is um, you would think that the fuel load, if, if you do it in weight, because it's tons per acre, right? Mm-hmm. That depending on the type of fuel, like if it's grass, if it's lighter, that it's going to burn more quickly because it has less water. Yeah. Right? True. Because that's a characteristic of, of the type of fuel is how, um, how much moisture it has in it. Yeah, and the density, like uh, twigs obviously will burn faster for two reasons. One is because there's, it's not as densely packed, cause the, which will give it more oxygen. Yeah, there's less surface area. Yeah, and the second is it's, it's smaller. Yeah, and it dries out more quickly. Yeah, it's not like drying a tree or a log. It's got to take a long time to dry out. Right, and then the same goes for uh, density with, like, say, tufts of um, pine straw, right? If it's very densely packed, yeah. um, it's going to retain moisture in the middle, which makes it harder to burn mm-hmm. anytime you've ever set pine straw on fire, you know, as yeah, a kid. Yeah, it smokes a lot if you throw a big mess on your fire. Right, but if it's kind of spread out, it's uh, it ignite. dries more easily. Mm-hmm. And it lets more oxygen in between it, which is another need for fuel. Yeah, and uh, small fuel material they call flashy fuels. Yeah, and uh, they wear like four-fingered rings, right? And on a chemical level, they um, it, t- it varies on how long it takes these things to ignite as well. Beyond the fact that it's just like more dense or bigger or more spread out, right? Like when I go camping, I will dry out uh, campfire wood beside the fire. And you can hear it sizzle. You can see it. You can see the moisture sizzling from the log. And then you just inch it closer and it'll just boom, flashpoint. Yeah. That's how it happens. Yeah. 
another thing, Josh. Um, as the fire pushes forward, it's what it's going to be doing because there's so much heat associated with it and smoke. It's going to dry out the stuff, the fuel in front of it. Yes. So by the time it gets there, potentially, I mean, that's why a wildfire happens. By the time it gets there, it's already dry and ripe for the picking. Yeah, and it's just going to keep burning and keep burning. There's nothing to stop it, basically. That's right. It feeds itself. Um, something else that feeds it. So that was fuel, right? Yeah. The second category or, of, or factor that really determines how a wildfire is going to go is um, uh, weather. Yeah, big time. And, you know, when you think of weather, you think, oh, well, you know, rain sure. or snow. If it's raining, then, of course, the wildfire is going to go out. <laughs> they point that out in here, too. But, yeah, no, I like, thought, yeah, okay. I thought um, Kevin went to a, a great— he, Was that he, Bonser? Yeah, he definitely—he dotted his eye on that one. He did. Uh, because, yes, obviously, if it's pouring down rain, it's going to keep everything moist, or if it's been raining for a while. Yeah, humidity helps. Yeah, big time. But the aspect of weather— um, that probably has more of an effect than any is wind, actually. Big time. Oh, yeah. So you've got wind outside of the fire, which is going to push it along, push it in one direction or another. Well, it's very unpredictable. That's one of the things. The yeah. winds, especially the, the dry Santa Ana's in California, it's already hot and dry wind. Yes. So it might as well be fuel. Right. Or I guess it sort of is fuel. Well, not it, traditionally, but it doesn't necessarily. It's not necessarily fuel, but it brings more oxygen to the fuel too. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so it pushes fire along. It's an oxygen delivery system. Wind mm-hmm. is, um, and it doesn't. It, uh, there's a guy who's interviewed in this article. His name's Dr. Terry Clark at the National Center for Atmospheric Research, and he's created this model called Coupled Fire Atmospheric Dynamics. Pretty cool. And basically what he's doing is figuring out how fire interacts with the surrounding atmosphere and vice versa. Because apparently they feed off of each other. Yeah, fire can create its own weather system and weather pattern. Yes. And you've seen it before, like in a really hot fire, these little tornadoes come up. Yeah, it's a fire whirl. Right. Um, Those can be enormous. It's basically like uh, the the heat from the fire creates a vortex. Mm -hmm. And the vortex is customarily horizontal. Right. But if something gets under it, uh, it can stand upright, and it becomes a fire tornado that can throw whole logs. Yeah, it can throw a burning tree, like a mile. It's a it's a it's a monster, and it can throw it a mile into where there previously was no fire, and that's why fi- uh, forest fires are so hard to fight. One reason why they are because all of a sudden you're fighting it on one front, and you've seen them too leap from the treetops, and all of a sudden, dude, it's on this side of the mountain now. Right. It's scary stuff. And treetops specifically, by the way, that's a, that's a type of fire unto itself. It's, that's, that's a crown fire is what it's called. That's right. Um, there's a, these uh, fire whirls, right, the fire tornadoes. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have to follow that, that, um, that process of starting out horizontally and standing up and then moving like a tornado. Yeah. There's another thing called a uh, hairpin fire whirl. Is this the the forward burst? Yeah. This is amazing. Basically, it's like the fire develops so much, I guess, heat, its vortexes do, its vortices do, mm-hmm. that it shoots forward like a flamethrower. Yeah. And apparently, uh, these things are, they get up to like 66 feet wide, right? Yeah. Um, so they can shoot 300 plus feet yes. at 100 miles an hour. It just, all of a sudden, like the fire just shot. Yeah. 100 feet forward at 100 miles an hour. And then in an instant, all of a sudden your fire is going in a diff- not a different direction, an additional direction. Right, because tracking these things, predicting these things, it's, 
we've figured out, or Dr. Terry Clark has figured out, mm-hmm. um, that it's not just the atmospheric conditions, it's the fire creating its own stuff, its own wind. Yeah. And just moving from both of these now. It's a living thing. Yeah. And they call that spotting. If, if, they, if it tosses embers to another spot, they call that spotting, and if it, if it starts a fire, obviously. Right. Um, and then temperature also is another uh, factor. If it's warm out, hot, yeah. um, you know, obviously that's an extra 60, 100 degrees that the, temp- that the sun doesn't have to heat something up to. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you never, that's why they burn mostly, uh, or most hot and wild during the day, during the afternoon. Um, California, like I had to get used to camping in California because in Georgia, Georgia's like a rainforest, man. It's like there's never any fire threat. No, plus it's so muggy. Yeah. It is so muggy all the time. There's no way. You couldn't start a fire if you want to. You can't even strike a match outside <laughs> right now. But uh, I'm just used to camping with a great, big, awesome campfire. But mm-hmm. once I headed west into like Colorado and New Mexico and California, they have, you know, every state park and national park you go to and national forest says, have signs that say, you know, fire risk. Um, high, no fires at all, or you have to apply for a fire permit with the the uh, camp uh, mm-hmm. camp rangers, yeah. camp rangers, forest rangers. Sure. And uh, I had to get used to either sneaking my fire, which is not right, right, and risking fine, or not having one at all, which stinks. Why don't you just go apply for a permit? Well, sometimes there was the fire risk was so high, you're not supposed to have one at all. Oh, gotcha. And I would still have one, and I probably shouldn't be saying that, but I, I'm super, super careful. I did, when, I, when I was living in the van for a little while, um, I camped on the northern rim of the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. and I started a fire, but I, I don't, I, I didn't see any signs that said no fire or anything. But I wasn't, I could have totally missed it. Probably no one said anything though. Yeah, and you know what? I was completely irresponsible for doing that. Just let me go on record and say that <laughs> it was not the right thing to do. Right. Even though I was super careful, because accidents happen and. I could have easily been that jerk that like didn't see the ember get away that started sure. a forest fire. So that's anyway, true. I want to say, I mean, if do a not do that. spark from a train's wheel can start a forest fire, yeah, then yes, very easily a fire that you started could right. start a forest fire. Right. That was very good, Chuck. Way to see OA. Well, I didn't want to sound like I was bragging about it. Like, oh, I was super careful, so it was cool. This so is, it was not cool. There's this guy on. Um, yeah, I didn't take your bragging. Okay. Did you ever watch Malcolm in the Middle? Oh yeah. Um, there was this. <laughs> there was this one. A scene um, where the mom was telling the dad he was he was saying that uh, she was giving him grief about uh, the stories that he was telling his kids uh-huh. and he's like they're cautionary tales and she goes <laughs> cautionary tales don't end with it was so cool <laughs> I enjoyed that show for a long time it's a good one it, but like all shows when it's about kids when they got a little too old it, you know all of a sudden his voice is down well no he the same. he cashed out like right about that time oh did he, he? was like I'm out. Malcolm himself, he was like, I've, I've got 15 Porsches, and I'm very happy I'm done. Well, yeah, he went on to his big movie career. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, that's Frankie so Means. <laughs> I wonder if he listens. Cranston, though, he's, uh, he's I haven't old. seen Breaking Bad, but it's supposed to be amazing. Yeah. All right. The last thing, Josh, is topography. It's yep. what we talked about. A steep slope It's going to spread faster, usually spreads uphill, even though leave it to Australia to do something weird. Dr. Terry Clark says he has a case study in Australia mm-hmm. where the fire actually burned down a sloped mountain, which is pretty unusual. Yes. Normally it, it burns up for a couple of reasons. Uh, the ambient wind mm-hmm. um, usually blows uphill. Um, the steeper the slope, the better, because the fire 
uh, the smoke and the heat from no, the fire. No, not better, the worse. Well, for the fire. Yeah, as far the better as the fire is concerned, it's like, <laughs> ooh, give me a steep mountain. Yeah. Um, because the fire would be standing almost upright then, and the smoke and the heat coming off the fire is um, really drying out the fuel load ahead. Yeah. So it, most of the time they burn upward, up a mountain, and then they reach the crest and they're like, oh, I should have thought this through because now I have to go down and I can't. Yeah, which is good for fighting the fire. Not good for the fire. No. Um, they can, besides burning all the vegetation, which is can be really bad, uh, it can lead to things like erosion and mudslides later yeah. on because you mess with the with, with the ground like that and it's not stable like it once was. Yeah, I mean, like the one of the roles that a roots a root system plays is holding the ground in place. Yeah, and if you burn the tree and the root system out, it's just soil, and a nice heavy rain comes and. And that very thing happened, Josh, in 1994 in uh, Storm King Mountain near Glenwood Springs, Colorado. A 2,000-acre forest burned and the underbrush burned on the steep slopes. And two months later, they got a lot of heavy rain, and it literally poured uh, tons of mud and rock onto a a stretch of Interstate 70, like engulfing cars, sweeping them into the Colorado River. Yeah. All because of the fire months months ago. And we've seen mudslides before. Remember uh, Guatemala? Oh yeah, man! Remember, like down the mountain, there was still that path you could see the where the path came where there from. Were no trees? We're standing on this village where they never unearthed the people. And yeah, the, it was the like people's kids were running around. Yeah, it was so sad. Where we nice. were standing was like six feet higher than it once was, right? Yeah, All right. six at least, I would say. That's awful. So, Chuck, if you want to put out a fire, well, first of all, they're beneficial, though. We should say that at times. Okay. Burning the underbrush of a forest uh, can prevent a larger fire later on. So they do have, like, prescribed burns like you were talking yes. about. Chuck, I inadvertently started a book club by mentioning 1491 again recently. Oh, yeah? Have you noticed a lot of people have been writing in saying, like, thanks, man, I'm starting to Yeah, and they're this. like, what about 1421? <laughs> yes. It's another book. That's a fake book, though. Oh, is it? It's Yeah, that's the one where the guy's like, the Chinese made it to South America or Mexico. So is like, that not true? You wrote an article about it. And I pilloried the guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's ve- he has very shaky, shaky evidence. That's fascinating stuff. But well, I, have we not podcasted on that? No. Oh, let's do it. All right. I, I read that today, and I was like, why haven't we done this yet? Oh, we can totally do it. Okay. I think it took a little while for me for the bitterness to like leave my mouth like after I wrote that <laughs> one. Because um, the guy was getting tons of press at the time. Oh, really? But anyway, any, anyone who's read 1491 knows that North America it was basically a managed forest. And one of the ways that it was managed prior to Columbus was through prescribed burns. Yeah. Like, it, there, it is very beneficial. It burns away the underbrush. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you have less potential for accidental fires. Yes. Right? Remember we talked about recessions are kind of like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, it gets rid of disease. Yep. provides nutrients in the soil. That's right. Um, Plant disease, that is. It's an awesome show mm-hmm. after you've, like, <laughs> you know, hit the peace pipe. <laughs> Just kick back and watch a uh, forest fire go. So let's talk about putting these things out, (laughs) Joshers. Uh, they have a couple of categories of the uh, these elite firefighters. They're called hot shots and smoke jumpers. 
the Hot Shots. What's so funny? <laughs> Just the names they give them. You yeah, know? that's pretty. I'd say that's pretty bad. A now. Yeah, sure. All right, Hot Shots. Uh, they work in twenty-person teams. Yeah. And they uh, are trained. They're on the ground, and they're trained to build mainly to build fire breaks. Right. And that is when they strip the f- land of fuel ahead of the fire, or they will burn it ahead of the fire. Yeah. To stop it there. Have you ever seen the Gods Must Be Crazy too? No. The dude, the main dude, I can't remember his name. He, um, there, there's a brush fire coming, like a, a prairie fire, mm-hmm. savanna fire coming at the main characters, and they're about to be engulfed in it. And the uh, the main uh, bushman runs and uh, grabs like a, a piece of grass or whatever, and sets fire to the grass behind them that they are running into right? and burns it and then basically creates a circle. It's a, a backfire, fire break, mm-hmm. and they're all standing in a circle where there's no more fuel any longer. It's completely and utterly genius. Well, it is, and it's also uh, you have to be, you have to really know what you're doing. You know, you have to put it in the exact right spot. I know that sometimes they'll do the fire break and the fire will leap over that. <laughs> and then... Uh, That's got to make you feel like yeah. Uh, there's nothing we can do. Uh, well, in a lot of cases, I mean, it's like, I remember, was it two years ago, was, or maybe it was three years ago, when they had all those wildfires. And uh, I remember thinking, like, what we can do medically, and, like, we can, you know, put a man on the moon, but we can't stop a fire. And right. it's that out of control, because it's so huge and overwhelming. Very deep, Chuck. Thank you. Uh, not not deep at all, actually. <laughs> then there's uh, there's smoke jumpers, which are hot shots that jump out of airplanes, right? Yeah. And there's only a couple of hundred of them in the U.S., which I, I can imagine. That's a really specialized job, and you have to be a tough mug to do that. That would be Howie Long. <laughs> did you see Is that, that what he did in, the, in Firestorm? I think he was a smoke jumper. I didn't see it. Uh, not many people saw it, actually. But uh, I did copy the the description from IMDb. <laughs> I thought it was just about... Like a firefighter in like forest fires, but of course, because it's Hollywood, they added some plot to it. Yeah, firefighter Jesse Graves has to save ornithologist Jennifer and other people in a forest fire. Like, I thought that was it, but no, it was set up by the lawyer of a convicted killer, Earl Shea, who escaped from prison with several of his inmates posing as firefighters to recover 37 million in stash loot. Huh. <laughs> so they were acting, they started the fire on purpose. It was sort of like the guys who posed as uh, ambulance drivers right. to get the dude out of prison. That sounds awesome, actually. <laughs> I mean, the plot description sounds pretty awesome. You can tell. You hear, like, Howie Long, 1998, and you're Howie like, well, it's going to be awful. But, like, I'm sure the writer of that was like, okay. This I'm on to something. I, yeah, and then there, <laughs> he hears it's going to be Firestorm yeah. starring Howie Long, and he's like. I'm sure that the writer, Alan Smithy, was pretty psyched about his project <laughs> for a little while. So, uh, Chuck... Oh, uh, you can fight a fire using an air core, right? Oh, yeah, that drop fire retardant on the fire. You've seen all the, the news footage, the red stuff. Yes, or they can drop tons of water. And have you ever heard that urban legend? Mm, oh, yeah, but what is it? So there, there was a forest fire somewhere, we'll say California, uh-huh. and they put it out, and uh, like uh, six months later or whatever, some hiker is walking through this area, and looks up and notices that there's a scuba diver stuck in a tree. Oh, that's right. <laughs> with the rebreather on and the the um, the mask on and the flippers and everything. Yeah. And um, he's dead. 
And the, the hiker can't figure out what's going on and, and, you know, leaves the forest and tells somebody about it. And they start doing some research and they figure out that um, he was, he was up. scooped up by one of these planes that goes out to the ocean and, like, scoops right. up a bunch of water and comes and dumps it on the Totally not true, right? Wildfire now. Uh, the so fire. That's a good one, though. Yeah, it is a good one. I, I hate it when you burst urban legends, though, because it, it bursts so many bubbles. Like there's people does, out there right now going, it's, oh it's man, so, it's so beneficial. Like yeah. yes, I know it stings right now, but in about forty five seconds, you're going to feel like a smarter person. Right, that's true. Uh, we mentioned the fire retardant. Uh, that is not just red stuff. It is um, a uh, chemical retardant containing phosphate fertilizer, and it cools down the fire, slows it down. It's like uh, its main ingredient is water, though. So it's like super, super water. Gotcha. As far you, as I understand, you know, I was thinking about when when I was reading about smoke jumpers, um, the uh, the human cannonball thing that DARPA came up with would be perfect for that. You could just be like, chung, 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 just shoot a bunch of smoke jumpers into the like over the fire, into where you want them. You with don't need what, parachutes or something. Sure, yeah, I can't imagine a smoke jumper's job like landing in the middle of that stuff. Yeah, that's crazy stuff. Amazing. And um, we also want to give a shout-out to Always. Great movie starring Richard Dreyfuss. It was a r- No, Always. Oh. I thought you said we always want to give a shout-out. No, no, to- okay. Always. Remember? Yeah, that was a good movie. John Goodman, Holly Hunter, Richard Dreyfuss. Uh-huh. Um, and that handsome dude. Who? I don't know. Oh, yeah, He's that's right. the guy that played the handsome guy. Yes. <laughs> And it was a remake of, uh, I think, A Guy Named Joe or something. Uh-huh, and also, I believe, Audrey Hepburn's final film. Was it? Mm-hmm. God, she was darling in it. She was. She was pretty till the very end. Is that it? That is it. Okay. If you want to know more about forest fires, you should go into the uh, beloved, venerable website that we work for, HowStuffWorks.com, and type in wildfires. And we have it as one word, right? Yes. Uh and if you type it in, it's going to bring up a very cool article with some really great photography, too. Um, I think the page one or page zero pick is just awesome looking. Um, and since I said handy search bar, that means it's time for a listener mail. No, it's not. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't have a listener mail for this one, Josh. And I was trying to think of what we could do instead. What would you come up with? Well, I thought about a call to action saying, you know, that would be great if you could go to iTunes and leave us a rating. And a review, good yeah. or bad. Some people hate it when we do that. You know, like we're just begging for it or whatever. It's beats a pledge drive. Yeah. Yes, it does, Chuck. You know? Do we ask that much from you guys, really? No. No. So, it's, so it's great, call Chuck. to action. I'm glad we finally worked that out. Call to action. Or uh, how about some love for Jerry via email, too? That'd be great. Oh, that's nice. Some Jerry questions. We're both. We'll tell you all about Jerry. Yeah, ask us really personal questions about her <laughs> yeah. life. We'll answer any. <laughs> totally. We've just been waiting for everyone to ask. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you can ask those questions all sorts of ways. Um, first, if you want to go give us a, a rating, a review on iTunes, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to ask us a question about Jerry, you can tweet to us. We have our own uh, Twitter feed, up to 15,000 followers. Did you know that? Really? Yes. Uh, S-Y-S-K podcast, one word. Um, and then, uh, of course, we have our great Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, facebook.com slash stuff you should know. And you can send us a regular old email. And you can listen to us on WFMU if you're in New York or New Jersey. Uh, 91.1, Fridays between 7 and 8 p.m. Yes. The Stuff You Should Know radio, public radio version. Yeah. Or 90.1 in the... Uh, Hudson Valley. Hudson Valley. 
Um, and and is that not New York? New York's not in the Hudson Valley. Where's the Hudson Valley? New York State. So that's upstate. Yeah. Is that where Albany is? Uh, I keep hearing sure. like everybody on Law and Order talk about when they <laughs> yeah, mention the governor. I guess so. Huh. Um, or you can send us a regular old email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 